Hi there, I'm Martin Teasdale, and this is Get Out of Wrap, the podcast all about contact centres, the people in them, the latest technology, leadership and career lessons, operational best practice, and much more about a great, often misunderstood industry. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get on with the show. Well, I've really been looking forward to this one. Just the thought of having a chat with Clayton brings a, a smile to my face. But let's start with a tip straight away. If you want to make a connection with someone on LinkedIn, you should absolutely do what Clayton did because that's how we met. He sent me a, a video and if you get a lot of messages, sometimes you kind of, it's busy, it's hard to get to them, but Clayton's one was a video and I thought, oh, I'm going to watch this. And it was a little personal video saying hello. You saw his lovely, happy face. And I thought, I've got to, I've got to get to know this guy. And then over the last few months, we've been chatting regularly on WhatsApp. And, and then we met at the expo. So I'm really pleased to have Clayton Drotsky from the Growth Crew on the podcast. Clayton, thanks very much for joining me. Martin, thank you very much for having me. And thanks for accepting my message all those months ago. I imagine you get lots of messages. I thought, you know, the only way to break through those messages is to stand out. It was a re- it was great. It was lovely. And I think a video kind of, you, you get the real person behind the message, don't you? It's very hard to, to craft a video without your personality coming through. So I warmed to it straight away. It was, it, it was great. Do you run your own business? Did you always want to run your own business? What's been what's been the the journey from to up to now? Well, no, I never I never ever thought I'd be a entrepreneur. To be honest with you, I was very comfortable in call centers and contact centers. I, I was there for seventeen years, knew what to do, how to do it, so it was very very comfortable. And my wife always encouraged me. You know, in the first call center I worked in, she was in the marketing team, so she kind of saw what I was like in the contact center. And I was leading a contact center of about 150 people at that time. And she's always since then, those are the early 2000s. And she's always since then told me, why don't you go on your own, go on your own. But I've never had the courage to do anything like that. I promise you that. So she's always told me your comfort zone is great, but nothing will ever grow there. That's her thing, right? And I never thought I would do it. And then, you know, it's funny. I, I'm 41 now, but last no year, way. I was, yeah, I'm 41. <laughs> Oh, that makes me sick. I, I liked you up until that point. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 49. So, yeah, I'm 41, turned 41 this year. And last year was, I, I went back home to South Africa to visit my friends, but I also took part in a charity cycling event, raising money for underprivileged kids to go through school and university. Now, I'd never done anything like that before, to be honest. You know, you do give back. You do do some stuff for charities, but it's minuscule. So I never did something like that. So I did it with my friends. It was an incredible journey. We cycled through South Africa a thousand miles from wow. Cape Town. Yeah, over eight days. It was extremely tough, but it was so much fun. And we raised 72,000 pounds collectively with the running, the people who, ran, who do some running and the guys who cycle. It was incredible, but I missed That's people. amazing. Yeah, it was unbelievable. But the feeling I had was that I was quite embarrassed because here I was at 40 years old. And for the first time in my life doing something like that, I felt quite embarrassed because I met these incredible people that run the foundation and have been doing that for decades, for selflessly giving themselves to other people for decades. And you know, I just felt like, wow, I felt so inferior. And when I finished that ride, I said to my wife, I want more of that. 
I want, I want that feeling. Because we got to meet some of the students who had become professionals. We got to meet some of the students who were in the, in the scholarship stuff. So it was incredible. And yeah, I said to my wife, look, I've got to do this. I, I, I want to do some more of that. But the only way I could do that is if I work for myself, because, you know, you, it's difficult. Maybe it's maybe making an excuse, but to do it, to work for myself, if I could make a success of a business, I could do more of that. So that was the idea. And that, I think that's what gave me enough courage to say, you know what, I'm going to do it. And my wife and I were fortunate enough that, you know, we, one of us was able to take a plunge and we'll be okay. It won't be, you know, we're not going to go to the restaurants and eat fancy foods anymore, but, but we'll be okay for a, for a period of time. So we were very fortunate that we could do that. So yeah, I did it in February and started my own business on the back of leadership. You know, I'm very, very passionate about leaders doing leadership right. So yeah, that's, that's what I do now. It's really interesting. I, I can relate to that. Earlier in the year, I wanted to do something for uh, my friend Arena in, in the Ukraine and just thought, you know, from contact centers to contact centers, we need to, uh, we need to do something. So I set up uh, a fund and talked about it on, on LinkedIn, but it just, it just grew legs and became huge and it was time consuming. And I remember my boss at the time saying, you know, really, you know, love it. I think it's brilliant, but are you doing any work or is it mainly just the Ukraine, the Ukraine (laughs) fund that you're concentrating on? And it was, it's a really good point because now like you, well, I'm, I'm, I've taken the plunge this month and part of that is so that I can hopefully have more time to to do things like that. It was at this point in the podcast that I finally got on to talking to Clayton about leadership. A really great section coming up. How much of your time in the contact centers leading up to now being a leadership coach and a lead and a and someone that talks about how how to lead effectively but how much of your time being led in the contact centers were you in observation mode was it has this always been if you were going to go self-employed was this always the area you were going to focus on because of what you saw and how you were led yes definitely you know i when i started in the call center on the phones like everybody else i was very fortunate to be recognized quite quickly and within two years i grew to uh, team leader level and then to management level quite quickly. So I was very fortunate. Maybe I stood out, I don't know, but I was lucky because, and this is why I'm so passionate about it. I had a really good leader. When I became the manager of a call center, we had just done a great places to work survey, an employee engagement survey. And we ended, I think in the world, we ended last of all the call centers for this company and engagement was not good. And so much so that the company got our director, who was the director of our European branch, to come to South Africa and basically sort things out. So she didn't know me from a bar of soap. Now, she's still my mentor today. And she started in the call center, but all she did, Martin, was show an interest in me. She didn't know me. She showed an interest in me, trusted me, valued me, and immediately shared with me the game plan. So you spoke this morning, just this morning on your, on your LinkedIn post about your team knowing the plan. And knowing what's mm. happening and how they serve a purpose and what their contributions are, that's what she did. It was so simple. She said, Clayton, this is the plan. How are we going to do this thing around? This is your role. Here's the wheels to the bus. You drive this thing. And I was like, okay. Mm. And, you know, she, obviously she helped me and she guided me along the way. But I realized very, very quickly that I was giving 150% to this cause 
only because there was this person who saw something in me they wanted to nurture and develop. It cost her nothing to do that. It cost her money. Mm. Now, for leaders, it can feel very risky, right? It feels risky that you, it's your head on the block. I mean, she was this director coming mm. from our European office, ooh, big brother, coming to sort us out. And she, her head was on the block. So she took a massive risk trusting this guy she didn't know, right? Me. But the risk goes both ways because here was this person who valued and trusted me. And if I didn't prove them right that the faith that, that with the faith they had in me, the risk was that I wouldn't be the manager anymore and she would have moved on to someone else or I would have failed as a manager then. But I gave everything. So I quickly learned that that was such a cool management style and it really resonated with my personality. And, you know, and you'll know, Martin, I mean, in call centers, especially where agents are small base salaries, high commission, a very high pressured environment with an unstable salary. It's a, it's a not a, people don't stay, stay around for long. They're not very loyal to that kind of environment. But we created an environment there where the agents stuck around. They are still there. Some of them are still there 15 mm. 20 years mm. later in a sales environment. It's unheard of because mm. of what we did as the leader. So we turned that whole thing around. And the next year when we did that, that call center engagement, employee engagement survey, we finished second. Nice. Only by valuing people, having them feel like they belong to something bigger, they can be themselves, allowing them to be themselves, listening, really listening, showing an interest in people, being curious about them. That's all. All those little mm. stuff. It doesn't cost you money at all, mm. but it, the effect is that if people enjoy what they do, they look forward to doing it and sell it too. And that was it. I love that. I, I love that. And I, I especially love the part of that that leader and then you decided that it's better to inform everyone of what you're what you're doing i was i was fortunate enough to run a an outbound team so you could as long as you did your dialing hours you could talk to your team and take them and stop activity as much as you as much as you wanted and our senior leaders would often say to me you seem to be like having meetings with your team we had we we started from seven and then we very aggressively got up to about 150 so doing big chats to the team i'd split the team in half and talk to half the floor and then the other half but i got a comment about you just seem to be talking to them all the time what have you got to talk about what what is there to to talk about and it was about letting people know I didn't feel, I didn't filter it. I, ne I never bought into this kind of, well, as a leader, you have to hold on to everything. You know, they, they don't need to know. They don't need to know where we are, what the targets are, what we're working towards. I completely disagreed. And I thought, you know, I want people to understand what our overall goal is, the part that they play in it and that we're all in this together. And so that meant regularly communicating, okay, we've had a good morning. Now let's, what we need to do is this, because this is what a good day looks like. And we're, you know, we're in competition with other outsourcers for, for the same campaign, you know, and I would share that all the time. I'd say, you know, we're, we're third out of, we're, you know, we're in third place. Let's, let's go for second. And, you know, I know, someone will people will think well you should be talking about 
the benefit the service has to the customers and that that's how you engage people and that that was part of it but to be honest it was more about the team and the connections within the team and we're doing this for each other because we got to know each other as as people and you said there you know that kind of your the director that came over who's still your mentor now i imagine because it i think we've all got people like this in our career if at some point she'd left and she said right now i'm going to go and work for a, a a company that makes dog food you'd be like yeah okay i'll come <laughs> it doesn't really you know you go you know i there was there's someone in my career that wherever wherever she went if she'd have said do you want to come with me i'd have gone yes and then i would have asked what is it <laughs> it's just so happy that this director particularly got headhunted by google so that would have been nice if she said yeah. to me come along and be like yeah, sure. go on then what do they do <laughs> What do they do? <laughs> oh, Google, yeah. But it's so true what you say, Martin. And I found that very often. I was very similar to what you just mentioned there by talking all the time. And you know what it's, it's sad in call centers I've been in before is when you're seen as a manager who's talking to the agents a lot and growing relationships, being interested in them and being curious about them. When I say you must be curious about them, I don't mean you need to know who their first boyfriend was and who was their first kiss. No, I, I mean find out about them. So what do they enjoy about what they do? What mm. are they sitting there absolutely afraid you'll ask them to do because they don't know how to do it? What is that? What do they want you to ask them because they will absolutely show you it's incredible how good they are because they can do it. So when you have these insights as a leader, you know how to develop people and challenge them and tell them the truth. That's what they want. But when you're that kind of manager who's talking to the, the, the agents or the team leaders all the time, for some reason, the powers that be see you as you're on the side of the agents. And what they don't understand is that you've got so many spinning plates. As a, it's a very complex role being a leader in a call center. An agent is a bit complex role, never mind being a leader. But when you're a leader in a call center, you have so many plates. You're reporting all the time. You're, you're putting these slides together for an 80-page PowerPoint. You, you're, you're always spinning upwards to manage upwards. But, you, but if, you, if you get everything right underneath you, and that works like a well-oiled machine, then you can do all the reporting you like. But mm. you first got to get that right, you know? And there needs to be that purpose you spoke about. I don't know if I've shared the story with you before, but I, I just love the story because it, it talks to call centers so nicely. There was an experiment done in Boston in a, in a restaurant. You can actually Google it. It's, the experiment was called, Do Chefs Make Tastier Food When They Can See the Customers? And what happened here was, these lecturers from the University of London and Harvard University did an experiment in Boston at the restaurant. It's a normal restaurant. They first did like a, a baseline where they, they wanted to get, they spent time in the restaurant just observing, not doing anything. So they were observing the kitchen, they were observing the, the dining area, and they were taking customer satisfaction scores. Then once they had like a baseline to work from, they then put cameras on the table so the chefs could see the customers. The customers couldn't see the chefs. Immediately, within one week, the customer satisfaction went up 10%. What that puts me wow. to was, as a chef, I can now see Martin at my restaurant. I can see Martin and Clayton sitting there. Now, I don't know how far they've traveled to come to this restaurant. This could be them, like 20, 20 year reunion. They haven't seen each other in 20 years. It could be their brothers. It could be they've taken two trains and a bus to get you. I'm not going to make them an omelet. I'm going to make them a very, very good omelet. And mm. their satisfaction with their jobs went up. 
So when their satisfaction ends up, they enjoyed what they do more, they look forward to doing it, and they naturally excelled at it. The one lecturer actually observed that before they had the cameras on the table, the one chef would make all the eggs in the morning. She'd, she'd pre-cook all the eggs and put them on a hot plate. But as soon as the cameras came on the tables, she used to cook the eggs fresh. No one asked her to do that. Why would you do that? So that was incredible. Then what they did is they had the cameras face both ways. Chefs could see customers, customers could see chefs. They couldn't listen to each other. The customer satisfaction went up even further, 17%. But the seed of service went up 13%. That's obviously because now the chefs are being watched, right? So they're hurrying. But the transparency between the customer and the chef <laughs> was massive because the chefs, the customers could now see the chefs and, and felt gratitude. You know, there's someone working for me. So in a call center, it is very what I try to do with all center agents and team leaders is how do you get that purpose across? They don't see their customers. They're not mm -hmm. chefs. In the how, do you, how do you get that across? And many, many times you see the, the, the pressure of sales and that burden of tracing that target, ringing the bell, the hand claps, the, the high fives. That can put a lot of pressure on agents. And there are times when they take dips, when the guy next to you is making a sale and like, what am I doing? Then you start blaming the calls. My calls are bad. They're giving me bad leave. My leads aren't picking. Why am I on this campaign? And they start blaming everything. They're not controlling what they can control. And I always say to them, what's the purpose here, right? Control what you can control. You can't control if someone's going to pick up the phone. You can't control what lead you're going to get. But control how good you are going to be when that person picks up. Let's make the interaction as memorable as possible. And that true purpose. Think about today. About today, We've got people living crisis, nurses are striking, RMT and train guys are striking. It's quite a mm. tough environment, but you as a call center agent could make someone's day that little bit better by being incredible mm. on the phones. Mm. I always, I love Maya Angelou's quote, where she says, they're not, they won't remember what you say, they won't remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. And that's what I say, call, that's what I tell call center agents, you know, just absolutely control that one thing. When they pick up the phone, mm. blow them away with how awesome you mm. are. Sale or no mm. sale. Aim for a memorable experience. And when you aim for memorable experiences only, the pressure and the burden of sales kind of disappears, but you get sales anyway because you're being awesome on the phone. So that purpose is quite difficult to, it's not as tangible as a chef, you know, or a nurse. A nurse obviously has a very obvious purpose. A call center agent, you know, no one's loyal to call centers. No one puts up their hand mm -hmm. at school computer and says, I want to work in a call center. No one's ever said that. But so many of us ended up there. I mean, I worked in one in 2005. For money for beer you know it was I, get, I got back from the uk working in a pub for two years like any other good south african got home <laughs> thought let me work in the let me work in a call center it's an easy job to get you don't need any qualifications you just need to speak to people and it will be a quick quick get some money for 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 beer and then i can start studying properly and, and get a real job and then 17 years later i was still in the call center <laughs> so no one's loyal to one but you've got to get that you know if you they've got to feel that they do, they're making a difference 100%, 100% agree with all of that. And I was a bit glib earlier about customers because actually one of the things that we would spend a lot of time on and it, and it relates to your point around just trying to be memorable and because it takes a lot. I think you have to recognize that every time it, it's very easy to be upbeat and bright and, and really try and make a connection with a customer on your first call at the start of your at the start of your shift when it's thursday the end you know you're doing a late shift and you've had maybe a hundred calls that day how do you then make an impact and we would do different exercises like we did draw your customer so we 
we mm. just asked everyone, just do a little drawing, make it respectful, you know, <laughs> don't <laughs> give them one eye and stuff, but make it respectful. But then we would just stop activity and say, right, tell me about your customer and tell me about where their call into us or our call that we made to them was in their day. How are they feeling? What, you know, what was their interaction like? What is their life like? And it just takes you out of the mindset of, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm on this tread wheel of going, right, here's another, here's another bead or data, you know, actually it's a person, it's a person, what is that person doing? And we would have, it just allowed people to use their imaginations and they would tell stories and say, oh, I, I think this person was stressed out. Maybe they just finished the school run and they were heading to work. And I imagine that they work in this place and my call was or they were calling because this wasn't working and we fixed it and it, it helped them in a very small way and just that kind of taking a moment to stop and think what what is where where is our call in that person's day and what is their life like and their day like just made a a, a massive difference i think it brought it brought our activity closer to our customers and again to your point the word you used earlier was about purpose you know, the purpose of, of, of what we were doing and, and that it has some meaning, you know, people like you say, don't, no one does. I, I don't imagine say, I want to speak to a hundred customers every day, you know, however, you know, that kind of wanting to do a good job, wanting to, once you realize, you know, like I did and you did, I thought, oh, I could, I could have a career here. I enjoy it. I like the people there, yeah. there's a chance for me to have a, a career here. I want to, I want to make a difference and then suddenly you're more interested that's what we need to to focus on that's what leadership is it is about it is about people and the connections and the relationships that we form and how you spend time like i you said something earlier about kind of just getting to know your team i was up for an award there was contact center manager of the year for yeah. one of the organizations here and i was i've very enthusiastic about it and the judging panel came to came to visit and i talked a lot about my team and how much i love them and and this guy wasn't buying any he, he was not buying it at all he just sat there with a scowl on his face the whole time but i talked about all the different things we did and he said you know what this is too too good to be true can we go out onto the the contact center floor and we went out and he said, I, I'm, he said, just let you're going, we're going to do a little exercise now. And he, he said, I want you to tell me the name and something about the person that I'm going to talk to. And we had about 150 people and he just randomly went down rows and was pointing above people's heads. Like, who's this? And I'd say, oh, this is, this is Vicky. She's got this little puppy that is, is love. And they'd go, okay, what about this person? And, you know, I just think that it, it wasn't it wasn't a method that I followed I was just interested in people I, I wanted to feel that I knew my team because I could better better manage them but I just thought it was an interesting exercise to go tell me about this person tell me about that but that person and it's it's stuck with me ever since so when I managed managers I said even though we might have high turnover sometimes you've got to know people you have got to know them and and where this job sits in their in their life and it's you know that kind of i think from what you said in the conversations we've had that interpersonal relationships 
is a key part of what you tell people in your in your sessions about becoming great leaders, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's so important to have that connection. I love that he asked you to to know something about every, and that's so important. I I was like that. I I used to in the mornings when I went into the the building, I used to go through all the rows and greet everyone. Right? I used to be quite early, so after everyone settled down, I used to walk around and greet everybody. And it was nothing for me to do that. It didn't cost me anything, but I also enjoyed it. I wasn't I wasn't forced to do it. I didn't I didn't feel like yeah, it was a, yeah. I just love the people. And sometimes when I didn't greet someone, they'd be upset. They'd be like, Peyton, you never came around today. And I was like, I was here earlier, but I think you were in the bathroom. Sorry. Heck, you know. And they just, just didn't you go me. into the toilets. <laughs> yeah. Hello, ladies. <laughs> but um, but it was it's such a special experience. And then for me, I mean, I worked at that one call center. I never thought I'd leave, to be brutally honest with you, but I got a really good opportunity to work in the Caribbean. But I was there for 14 years. And I promised mm. the day they they organized a surprise farewell for me. At that stage, call center had become quite smaller from when I started. It was 150, I think. When I left, it was about 70 agents because there were quite a few redundancies over the years. But I was mm. there for 14 years. And I remember we went down to this board, it's like a boardroom, but quite a big boardroom. Like everyone could fit in there. So like 70 odd people because even the IT finance guys, everyone was there. And I was blown away. And I never, only then did I realize the impact that you can have as a leader. And that's why it's so important mm. because you can have a bad, you can be dealt a bad hand as, and have a really bad leader. And that could negatively mm. impact you for such a long time. Maybe your yeah. whole career too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Only then did I realize, wow. And you know, I think I, I cried like a baby the whole, the entire time they, they were there. And the, after that, we went upstairs and the staff sang Asimbo Nangwa to me, which is a, a song that Johnny Clegg, a famous African singer, sang for Nelson Mandela. And that was like blue. I cried like a little baby, Martin, but I'm still friends with all those people. And yeah. it was a fan. I, I, I loved all of them. It was such a, a cool vibe. And it's all of that because you're interested, but you really want people to succeed. And that was the big mm. thing, you know. So if leaders can get that right, you know, when, you, when your foundations, like those interpersonal skills, that builds a foundation between you and someone as their leader. That means that everything else from there becomes, so the trust is getting, the trust is building, the relationship is getting strong, and those foundations are being done properly. So you've, you've sent belonging signals because you care, right? It's genuine. You're showing an interest in people. You're also self-aware because when you're meeting with people, you're approaching them all in different ways because everyone is different. But you've got to know this now because of your interpersonal skills and the time you're taking to get to know people. That means that anything from there is easier. Having really critical conversations or crucial conversations is easier because they know it's genuine. And you want them to succeed, but they want the truth as well. They want the truth. They don't want you to fluff things up. When you give them recognition, they know it's not blind cheerleading. You're not just giving high fives because someone said you must give more high fives. When you say, hey, Martin, that was incredible. I love what you did there. I heard it on the call when I walked past. I just wanted to say, excellent job. They know that's coming from a great place because they know you'll also tell them if they're not doing a great job. And that's those foundations that you were just saying, the simple stuff that makes everything else so much easier for a leader. I started managing team leaders or managers and then managers. If a new if a new team leader came in or a new team leader was appointed i said to them your your first and only task yeah 
and it can take as long as you want obviously not months and months and months but the the only thing i want you to focus on is getting to know your team i don't i don't need i don't need you to do powerpoints fill out a report understand everything about our technology the only thing i want you to do and when i when i walk around i just want to see you sat with your team sat with individuals talking to them listening to them more importantly and and getting to getting to know them and i said you don't necessarily need to like everyone in your team but you do absolutely need to know about them you know you mentioned earlier about you don't need to know who they first kissed but i i do think that you need to know what their home situation is mm. you know but not in a kind of gestapo or spanish inquisition <laughs> right <laughs> answer these answer these questions but just 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 through spending time with them you need to know what they're interested in where they you know even things how do they get how do they get to work what's what's their mornings like are they hectic are they what are they what are they doing what are the other things that are on their on their mind that are all just part of our our lives because then you can better lead them because you you understand them and again it was it's so simple but a lot of the time you know i i took over a team once and my the time said all i've seen you doing for two weeks is just wandering around chatting to people and i said yeah and <laughs> i'm just getting to know I'm, I'm getting to know my team that's surely that's the 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 right thing to do and as you said everyone everyone responds to you differently because everybody is everyone is different so it wasn't it wasn't I wasn't there going we're going to do this and we're going to do that i was just like hey how long have you worked here i had a few questions that i knew could help start a conversation and for some it worked more readily than others it's just that as they start as call center agents start you know they it is a complex role call center being a call center mm -hmm. agent and it's tough but from the beginning if, if the leader you can build that relationship so you know oh, i i like to say to agents if you're here for five minutes or five years, it doesn't matter. Just absolutely use and abuse this time to learn as much as possible because you're building on your personal brand here, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Course into skills will help you for the rest of your life. You'll know how to be resilient, how to adapt, how to listen, decipher what people actually want, how to speak to people, you know? When call center agents, sometimes they're very young, you know, they're in their early 20s. They tell me they're 24 years old and they're a bit nervous. I say to them, look, You've probably been speaking since you were 18 months old, right? So you've been speaking for 22 and a half years. You're pretty good at it. So <laughs> be confident in the fact that you can do it, you know, and then you, you kind of build them up from there. But as soon as you start doing that, they understand that you're there for them. You, you care. You care. That's all. So as soon as they know you care, they start feeling valued. They build something bigger than themselves. And already you've got some of their buy-in. I met a lady through, through LinkedIn. She owns a, a marketing agency in Milton Keynes. And when I was talking, you know, we were talking about getting to know each other. And she said to me, you know, she's got 13, 13 staff members. 12 of them have marketing degrees. One of them comes from a call center. Whenever they go see an external customer, whoever goes, takes the ex-call center person with them. Because she knows how to listen to what the customer really wants. You know, from a marketing perspective, no fault to marketing people at all. But... They're very creative people and brilliant at what they do. So they already have an idea of what they want to do. But the call center person listens to the customer and goes like, okay, I'm see what they want. 
I know what you, I know what we want, but let's, you know. So she says that's always the case. But you learn such good, you learn such good skills, and that's why when an agent comes in, I, you know, the first thing I always say to leaders is let them know how important this role is for them and how much they can learn if they really apply themselves. You know, five minutes or five years doesn't matter how long you year. Use and abuse the time. Learn as much as possible. I love that because I we had a we had a head office at one of the places that I worked, and that's where our product teams and our marketing teams sat. And I said to them, if I had to go to head of office, I would say to them, we never see you. We, you, or you don't ever ask us anything about new products, new services, or how our existing services and products could better be presented to customers. Cause I can guarantee you when you come up with a new service or a new way of talking about it, I we can take it to the team and instantly, and nine times out of 10, they're right, instantly they will tell you whether it's going to work or not. Because guess what? They're talking to our customers every single day. And I can remember going, right, we've got this new product. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. And just the whole team were like, hey, that's never going to work. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's true. Then at that moment, as a leader, you're wearing your leadership hat. So you have to be convincing. <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's give it a go. But, you know, they, they they were right. You know, we we there was a product and I just thought there's been so much time wasted or that or could have, not wasted, but could have been used better if our customer-facing team members were involved in the process of design mm. or, yeah. or a selection of them where we said, right, so... You know, we've got these customers, yeah. I'm going to exaggerate to make a point, but the demographic of this customer base was older and the service that was being proposed that we offer them as an additional service was entertainment lifestyle, but the activities were, you know, go and do motocross or go and bungee jump, you know, and these were people that a bungee jump that their hips would have been left behind on the bungee. <laughs> so our, our team instantly were just like, yeah, this is, it's never going to work. I can't think of a way that I'm going to be able to bring in deep sea diving to a conversation about someone who their main activity is bingo. That's <laughs> so. no, true. And it's, you're so right. If they were just involved in the initial, not that they're going to have the final say and feel I always felt like they didn't call. Didn't always feel like they had a call center, but I did at times feel that the call center does the call center thing, and that's where they should be, you know. But when we say we'd like to be involved or have some agents and leaders involved, or just you know, in a brainstorming session about a new product, we don't mean that they're going to have all the answers and they say is final. No, all they're going to mm. do is, as a team, we're going to work it out together as a team. That's called culture, right? The good culture works it out in a in a nice can. Get, in a collective environment with lots of debate that's fine because debate's coming from different perspectives that's what you that's how how it works you need the different perspectives to to make sure that you're still innovating so getting call center people into those brainstorming sessions is vital because they are the people speaking to the customers a call center can agent as soon as the customer picks up the phone of course an agent can tell you they're rolling their eyes or what the mood what the what's going to happen yeah you know what's going to happen so yeah. it's they know that they, they do know and you know I, I mean they that's why they that's why in you know earlier you said they need to know the bigger picture that's why they need to know the bigger picture because they need to feel part of that big purpose 
of that that purpose. You know, we for, for me it was lucky because my first call center I worked in was a we sold holidays, so it was quite easy from a purpose perspective there because you could say you know mm. customers going on a family holiday, they selfies, they they experience you gonna you play a part in that. You know that's quite special. Mm. They take a selfie. You've mm. actually played when they post it on Facebook and their friends comment. You play part in that. You you've mm. helped them decide on the right hotel right place and the right destination feel proud you know that's really cool you play the part in that so yeah, it's much easier that way but yeah i agree with you that that call center they don't always get involved unfortunately in in the product in, in, in the infancy stage the development stage can i can i take you now to that period in maybe just prior to february then when you were thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna do something on my on my own what was that what was that process like in terms of figuring out exactly what it is that you were going to offer? How were you going to work? Did that, was, was that an easy process or? It wasn't, you know, I didn't have an outright plan to be brutally honest. I, I heard from so many of my friends who, who are entrepreneurs or who work in corporate told me there's never the perfect time. Never going to be perfect because you're waiting for the perfect markets because then you're going to get customers and all this stuff. There's nothing like that. So I, I decided January I'm resigning. February I started on myself by myself and I made a lot of mistakes. I've never been an entrepreneur before. I told, I thought I was only going to be working on the business, in the business, and I was going to be getting clients. And I actually gave myself very arrogantly three months to get customers, right? And before you work for yourself, you see friends of yours who work for themselves. And your friends who are entrepreneurs, they tell you about their vision boards and they got a success board and they meditate and you think, okay, pal, how much of that's, how much of the good stuff are you smoking? But when you start working for yourself, you very, very quickly realize that you've got to keep your mind super strong. And I never really naively mm. never thought that would be the case. So the personal development I've undertaken in these last 10, 11 months has been extraordinary. And I'm very, very grateful for it. I've learned more about myself in these last 11, 10, 11 months than I ever have before. And I've done so much. If you, if you don't believe here, then you're not going to make mm. it. So you work more on yourself than you work on your business. Mm. And that was really cool for me to experience. And I made a lot of mistakes. You know, I went in, in the beginning just talking about culture because I knew how to, to get large groups of people working together. So I thought, well, this is, this is my thing, right? But a lot of people don't get culture. It's very fluffy. And mm -hmm. even if you're in a bad culture, you sometimes don't realize you're in a bad culture. So my messaging was very, very unclear. And I was losing, you know, Donald Miller in his book, uh, Story Brand says, you lose, you confuse. And I was confusing everyone. And uh, I realized that very quickly. So I then changed my message to talk about only leadership because leadership talks to the environment. Leaders play a massive role in the environment that helps people, you know, for, for a good culture. So I started speaking only about leadership and became instantly more memorable with people I was talking to, business owners, corporates. So things started happening for me. It took, a, it took some time, but I'm very, very grateful for the experience. You know, I go, I go into lots of meetings. I've been networking a lot, going to webinars, seminars, all these kinds of things. And I always feel like the dumbest guy in the room, but it's, it's fine because I've got so much to, so much to learn. Not in this room. <laughs> in this room, I'm, no, it is, it is cool that it's, that, that you, 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 you learn so much and you never actually, I've met, I've met business owners this year, incredible people, young people, old people, doesn't matter, successful business owners, some who are making three or oh, sorry, six figures a month, 
but yet they also have problems still. And I'm thinking, wow, those are first world problems because I wish I had, you know, been doing that with you. But they have problems too. And you think, wow, it never really stops. The personal development absolutely never stops. It's incredible. It's been an incredible journey, I must say. Absolutely loved it so far. Yeah. So where where are you are you now then in terms of people that are listening that think you know what I I like this guy what can he what can he do for me? Yeah, so currently I'm doing a, a number of things. Actually, I'm 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 training leaders in a corporate setting in a big corporate company. I'm doing one to one leadership journeys with business owners, so like on a, on a retaining basis. I'm doing that. I'm helping. I recently helped an accounting firm with their with their leadership team. Just doing a uh, foundations of leadership, very quick training. Normally what I like to do is walk a journey with someone. So mm. If it's the, the, the leaders I'm training in that corporate setting, the initial idea was just for me to come in and do some leadership stuff. But I said, no, I, I would like to some return on investment for, for you. So I would like to catch up with them and uh, catch up with them once a month individually with the leaders because before I start, they rate themselves out of 10 on their leadership. And they give me three things they'd love to get out of leadership training. And then we focus on those three things and we build together. It doesn't help you just come in and give the training and leave. I always, I, I, I said to this, the person in this company, I said, look, I'm not going to come in and, and just go. I'm going to play some Lionel Richie. I'm going to give some red wine. We're going to get to know each other. So I'm in it for the long run. I'm in it for the long run. So I, I want leaders to do it. Well. I'm going to woo you. I'm going to woo you. Yeah. And I want leaders to do it right. You know, it doesn't help because even since the trainings happened, we still got some training to come in January and February. I've already had calls with those team members mm -hmm. on stuff they wanted advice on. So that's lovely because they're learning. And long after I'm gone, it will remain that that they that they keep that they that they keep those skills. So yeah, that's what I focus on: those foundations and basics of leadership. Because once you've got those basics right, everything else just becomes easier. How to give feedback, mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. So I even recently worked with a mechanic <laughs> in a garage in Scotland, which was fantastic. I, I was helping out a friend and it was absolutely an experience I'll never forget. And I, I never thought I'd do something like that, but I, it was so much fun. It was really a lot of fun and I learned a lot from it. But also the the mechanic who is now going to take over the garage and the management of the garage at least sees the value in just meeting with his team, just mm. sees the value of a, a quick one-to-one -one. doesn't have to be an agenda. He doesn't even have an office to meet with him. Just a chat about. Yeah. And you know, in the first chat he had, we did ninety days together. In the first chat he had, he immediately found out that this guy doesn't know how to do diagnostics. This guy doesn't know, doesn't like speaking to customers. He hates it. And the things mm. he never really knew. When he started focusing mm. on it, those became. They felt more. Wow, he values us. He's looking after us. He wants to nurture and develop us. And they feel closer to the business. When I when I finished with him a couple of weeks ago, what was quite nice is one of the guys made a mistake, but the uh, the nice thing was that he was so disappointed they let everyone down from the making of a mistake, and that was it. That's it. You know, that's the aha mm. moment. Like mm. now you must just keep it going because, as you know, Martin, it is it's easy for team leaders to skip a one to one, and once you skip one one, yeah. to, then you skip another one, then you skip another one. You must maintain them. They don't have to be a formal. They don't have to have a formal agenda. Be mm. an hour long. 15 minutes, 10 minute check-in is so important. Those moments, actually, I, I would, I would sort of stop the team leader and say, right, let, let's just think, let's just talk about that a sec. What 
was more important than doing the coaching session or 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 doing the one-to-one because their answer was really important because their answer told you i told you about them but also told you about the the culture of the contact center and the team because in their mind let's say i really had to get this compliance report in or or whatever it may be you know you go right okay let let's talk about why that had priority over doing doing something that involved talking to your to your team member and then you could see it on a on a wider scale so i worked with a contact center who had this great training team great system they actually had a really nice space to do training but and you saw that first and then when you found when you spoke to guys you found out that they hadn't no one had had any training for 6 months because they were so busy you know they didn't have the right resources so they had this great setup great team but it was practically mothball and you just think it's so it's so short-sighted that you can't go actually the time spent with teams that has to be the three-line whip that has to be go go somewhere else find something else that you can let go and not do but this kind of personal interaction is the bit that must never must never change but you should be able to have a conversation with people about finding out what their priorities were what they thought was important and sometimes it was a a misperception actually that i wanted the thing that they were doing rather than seeing them talk to their to their team so it made me kind of go right what am i projecting what am i what am i putting out there that is stopping somebody going oh no martin needs this so I better not talk to Dave because I need to get my head down and do and do this. And I, you know, even though that wasn't the case at all, I'd somehow put that out there in their mind, you know, and it was just a nice taking those kind of moments and just being able to to talk about them. That's when you helped kind of people prioritize and understand what your real emphasis was as a as a leader. But I've got a question for you. I still can't believe you're 41. There must be you know that film cocoon where in south africa did was there an alien (laughs) (laughs) did you fall into a swimming pool with some alien thing in it but anyway right now you as a 41 year old leadership guru what would you say if you one of your clients was a 21 year old version of you what would be what would you be talking to the younger version of yourself about you mean in, in terms of leadership yes I would say to focus on the basics, and that is show an interest in people, right? Be curious about your your team, your team members. Learn how to be self-aware. So remember that your habits and emotions, your actions and behaviors have a direct impact on your team. If you put your head in your your head like that in your hand for a customer like this, they see that, they do the same. So you've got to be so aware of that. And then thirdly, the belonging cues. You have people feel like they belong to something. You can even do that in feedback. If I give Mm -hmm. you critical feedback, I want you to understand that you're part of a team and I have high expectations of you. So I could say something like, Martin, you know what? I want to give you some feedback because you're in this team. It's a high-performing team and I know you can make it. So really, Martin's like, yeah, I am in this team. I am part of this team. 
and someone believes in me. So those belonging cues can be can happen in everyday interactions. So those are the basics. Once you get the basics right, then you can start focusing on all the other stuff. But get the basics right, those interpersonal basics. The team must understand if the team knows you're there for the right reasons, they'll follow you. I love that. And how can, for people listening that kind of want to talk to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? The best way, Martin, is LinkedIn. Get hold of me on LinkedIn. Because you're, if you work for yourself, you'll understand that that is where you live. <laughs> so I'm always on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, that's the best place to get hold of me. All my details are on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is where I live, basically. Do you know what? And even if you don't want to utilize Clayton's leadership services, I would recommend following you anyway, because I'm just getting to getting to know you because i i've definitely benefited from knowing you this year no thanks very much martin i really appreciate that i mean you know the first time i reached out to you i don't know when that was maybe may could have been may or june and i reached out to you and then you agreed to have a meeting with me and i was like this is awesome you know he has this guy get out of rap and for me i was thinking wow you know he's meeting me that's awesome so then the first meeting we had you were late and there were some circumstances in the family. You were in hospital, not you physically, but you were in hospital for a family member. And I was thinking, I didn't know that at the time. And I thought, yeah, we were. he said he's going to meet with me. He's high and mighty. Yeah, he's and then you popped in. And, then was like, and I mean, immediately clicked. And it was so nice to get to know you. And you were such a nice guy. And you do so much for the course in the community, not just for the course in the community, but just the way you do things for for your friends and how you ask people to reach out if they're looking for employment and the, the Ukrainian people you help. I mean, Martin, your heart is massive. And I think I speak on behalf of everyone in the course in the community. We are super grateful for you, man. You're, you're an incredible person. So well done. Thank you for that. Well, what, what a be- no better place to end the podcast. Thank- I, I think my, my, my head is probably the largest part of my, my body, but I, I really appreciate, I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm definitely better for uh, for knowing you, Clayton. Thank you so much for for coming on the podcast. And naturally, not just because Clayton said some lovely things about me there, but I would recommend you you check him out on LinkedIn, follow him, and and have a chat with him because you'll be better off for it. Thanks for listening. For questions about the episode or the podcast in general, or if you just like to talk about contact centres, please email me. My email address is martin at getoutofrap.com. In the new year, I've got some really exciting news as well. So if you are interested in team leader development and giving your team leaders the best opportunity possible to lead their teams effectively and enjoy doing it, then stay tuned.